0: You're listening to Lily's Legacy, a podcast series compiled from oral histories and produced as part of a digital exhibition exploring how liberal Judaism has evolved since it was co-founded by British visionary Lily Montague in 1902. This episode explores the theme of women and gender equality. From its very foundations, liberal Judaism has championed gender equality. Liberal Judaism's Prime Founder, Lily Montague, herself led services. Liberal Judaism made a significant departure from traditional Orthodox worship, allowing men and women to sit together in synagogue. Today, men, women, and in fact all sexes and genders, are engaged in all aspects of synagogue life. Women hold leadership positions in communities and the liberal movement. The upcoming new prayer book aims to be even more radical through feminizing some of the Hebrew and using masculine and feminine imagery. Listen as congregants and rabbis reflect on the ways in which liberal Judaism has pioneered gender equality. I must say I like and I will always like
1: the liberal and form of bringing women up onto the Bema. I know that in orthodoxy it will never ever happen.
2: Going to other people's bat mitzvahs where you're separated from the men and the girl doesn't even read from the Torah and it's just kind of male white rabbis singing in Hebrew where you just can't join in, you just have to sit there and some people even talk really loudly, so that's never really for me. Also just being involved in the services, like Esther's going to blow the shofar tomorrow, um, which she would never be able to do if we were orthodox, and I think it's just little things like that, being involved, being able to feel like you're part of a community instead of just tagging along. I think that's important to all of us. You know, 40 years ago, not really any any girls had a bat mitzvah, which is really really sad and unfair, and it makes me angry. The boys had bat
1: mitzvah, the girls had confirmation. No, after it evacuated, when I came back, then I was confirmed by Dr. Mattock. He was a liberal, and he had an office at St. John's Wood, which is where it is now. I went up to see him, and he gave me a lecture, and that was it. Well, it was just the usual, we stood up and said a few words in Hebrew and we had a few words in English and um, we read it, read our portion. And then there were three or four of us, so I wasn't just the only one. Then he said prayers over us, confirmed in the Jewish faith, and that was it. I was about 16 then. When I was 96, I did my bar mitzvah in the synagogue. I heard a lady do it in London. And I thought then, quite a long time, I could do that, why don't I have a go? And I talked to the rabbis, and she said, of course you must do it. They gave me the transliteration because I never learned Hebrew. That was due to the circumstances in Germany and then in England, I never took the time. I knew prayers all right, but you know, and I've never really bothered to learn it properly. But I did learn my bit from the Torah portion. And then two years ago, I finally did it in August. I was very proud that even at my age, I had the finally managed, because I wanted to properly join the community who had been so brave in carrying on this sort of tradition, which I felt was a very good one and had lasted all through the centuries.
3: Even though we had uh, a woman chairman of the Eastern council who would become an MP, Millie Miller, the synagogue was very much male-driven. When I first went there, women weren't even allowed to open the ark. I mean, it changed, it did change later, but things like being the warden or being doing things, it was very much a men uh, thing. Now, that's changed a lot from the, 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 the times. Uh, I remember being at the synagogue when I first came across uh, a woman rabbi, and it was a student rabbi who's now very active you know, very in the movement, it was Hannah Freeman, she was in her last year of uh, being at Leo back at the time. That was probably the first experience I'd had where we had a woman rabbi, a woman student rabbi, lead a service. Now it's common practice. In those days it was quite a strange thing. The other thing is about what people wore. So that women went up to the ark, they were expected to be presented, you know. I think there was even a case about, could you wear trousers?
1: I'm quite happy to accept that women don't have to wear hats when they go up on the beamer anymore. And I I expect the rabbi to wear a tallet, whether it's a man or a woman. But I don't like to see female members of the congregation going up wearing a tallet, and they do women are allowed to wear talit, wear kippot. And a lot of the younger generation appreciate that. And that it will draw people to, to keep within Judaism. Because all the rituals and the segregation of a lot of the
4: orthodox, or I can only talk for myself, a lot of the orthodox
0: synagogues not for me. They're all there, I mean, it's, it's all part and parcel. There's no distinction, I don't think. And I don't know in our synagogue, where it seems to me, time after time after time, you go to synagogue on the Shabbat morning, and the Bema is full of women. I don't mind that, but I don't want them to be telling me that they're women all the time. I know they're women, I can see that they're women. They're wearing skirts, or not, for, the, for what it matters. Yeah.
1: I got involved with NLPS. They asked me to join the committee, which I did, and then I became vice chair. It was at the time as well when Marsha Plum became the rabbi and she was into spirituality and we had a spirituality session sometimes on a Saturday and there was half an empty bookcase from the Jewish Women's Network. These were all kind of big things that were happening. So I got all involved with all of
5: that. What I'm really into at the moment is telling the stories of people whose stories don't usually get told. So this Passover ran like a women's seder at my house and there was a big focus of Miriam in the seder. That is like becoming more of a tradition. For the Moshe House, for example, we had to write a um, mock um, calendar of what events we would run. And I said that I would like to run monthly deep delves into like the women of the Torah and like looking at their stories and like what can we interpret from it and actually studying it in like a really in-depth way um, and what we can learn from them. Bringing people together, it makes me really happy in a space that makes everyone feel welcome and special and included. And like spiritual singing, that kind of stuff, I find that really kind of inspirational and motivational. I think it is a special movement to be part of for the values that it holds and like being able to trace, you know, for example, the inclusion of women to the beginning of the movement. I just don't think I've engaged with it that much actually, if I'm honest, and I would like to more. I think in the future, I'd really love to be a rabbi. So that's kind of, my journey has gone from not knowing anything to kind of, I really feel at my most happy and, It's not really a feeling I can really explain, but my most kind of elated when I'm sort of talking about Judaism or reading Jewish texts or studying and Torah, like that kind of thing.
4: Services and prayer books have become more radical and we're going to be more radical because in the new Siddur we're working on, we're looking at using the feminine much more rather than just being gender neutral. We're looking at having masculine and feminine imagery because in the Hebrew, the Hebrew is either masculine or feminine. There's no gender neutral. So it's quite challenging. But I think quite a lot of the movement are with us already on that and it's very exciting to work on it and to think that we are at the forefront whilst also you know, recognizing people's different sensibilities. But it's about thinking of God, for me anyway, you're always thinking of God in metaphors. You can't possibly pin down God as it were. So everything that you use to talk about God's a metaphor, and whether you talk about God as a divine presence or a ruler or whatever, they're all different ways of thinking about God. And it is important that that includes the masculine and the feminine. So yeah, we're always working on liturgy.
6: I think it was about 11, 12, maybe 13 years ago, I'm not sure, when I came across um, NLPJC, North London Progressive Jewish Community. And what is true is that I was very impressed by the rabbi there, who was at that time Rabbi Shulamit Ambalu. I was impressed by the atmosphere that she seemed to be creating in the services. Um, I was very interested in some of the things she had to say in the sermons that she gave. I was extremely impressed with her as a teacher and um, I found that I loved it. I just, I enjoyed the classes. I increasingly found that the services were um, satisfying to me on a spiritual level as well as interesting because they were about Jewish culture that I felt my family had entirely lost. Uh, In those years, while I was there and Shulamit was still there, we changed our name. We gave ourselves a Hebrew name under her leadership. And also under her leadership, I developed really hugely as a Jew. Two really big things happened that she suggested. There's only one reason that uh, I said yes to them. When I joined, I made myself a kind of private, personal policy in my mind. I was so impressed with she. I didn't want to turn her into some kind of um, guru or, you know, in, in some unquestioning way, but I made an agreement with myself that this was a really interesting, exciting new turn in my life and that whatever she suggested to me, I would try to say yes to, unless I had a really good reason for knowing that the answer must be no. I decided I trusted her and I wanted to follow her. It was the South London Liberal
7: Synagogue which really influenced my style of Judaism. In fact Lily Montague had been the president of that community but since she died I think in 1963 I don't remember her. The thing about the South London Liberal Synagogue was that it was a Jewish community not in a particularly Jewish area but it was a Jewish community which understood that Judaism was about service to the community as a whole and so once a month I was dragged to the Nightingale Home for aged Jews with my grandmother to serve in the shop as a volunteer, and then my father's sisters would take me to what I now know to be a home for women. It was it was um, it was called Westcombe Lodge, and it was a understand a home for gentle women folk who fell in hard times of some sort or another. And I don't know what that meant. It probably meant that some of them had mild mental um, challenge or they got pregnant or something. But all I remember about it was that we used to have to uh, make them tea and give them cakes. But actually, it was the work of women in particular and women without children, of which Lee Montagu was, of course, one, what I call pretty radical, left-wing, socially inclined women who understand that Judaism was about serving the community, both the Jewish community and the non-Jewish community. And that's, in a sense, shaped my style of Judaism And it's important that liberal Judaism was founded by a woman. You know, Lillie Montague, despite being from an Orthodox home, she probably did have a mental breakdown in her early teenage years, which may have provoked her later activity. You know, it was her who said, the Judaism we have is not good enough, particularly for women and children, doesn't have a spirit about it, it's become a sort of empty repetition, and I want to do something about that. The fact the matter is, our founder is a woman. Lily Montague was the founder. If you had to choose that, she was the founder. And the fact is, if had she not persuaded Montague to put his money behind the adventure, it wouldn't exist. And together, they then selected Mattick as their third M. And on the question of, of a woman uh, taking the service, when you think how in in the early nineteen hundreds, that they must that the founders of Liberal Judaism, all of them. Well, happy to accept that. It says something about the strength of her personality and her
0: religiosity. When Jackie Tabby became the first rabbi, I was thrilled, absolutely thrilled. People sniffed. And I said, Well, well what's wrong with a woman being able to read the Torah and read stand up and I said, probably even more equipped than a man is, I said, in in, in pastoral care. I was very pleased, and then they all came along. When I started at Birmingham, I didn't
4: feel there was any prejudice. Um, I discovered later that one or two people I knew quite well had actually been really upset, but I just got on with with it anyway and didn't worry too much. I had one person walk out of a sermon once I gave about this idea of different images for God, and there's a lovely sermon I quoted from by somebody, it's still one of my favourites, about God as an old woman looking out at her children on Yom Kippur and one congregant walked out, but most people didn't. Um, It's a bit of a cliché to say that I'm more pastoral as a woman and a stereotype as well, but I certainly very much enjoy the pastoral side of being a rabbi. And that is a side that seems to be more associated with women, but I'm not sure how much that's a stereotype. But I certainly very much enjoy the pastoral side and the relationships and getting to know people, particularly the older members. That's one of the things I love most about the rabbinate. I think every woman rabbi will tell you that you meet people all the time from outside Judaism and say, "Oh, I didn't know there were women rabbis." Mm. So we just used to people saying that now, um, I'm not sure when that will end really. For example, I'm the only woman on the Burmian Faith Leaders Group because generally the other faiths don't recognise women leaders, I mean there was the minister, a Christian minister for a while on the Faith Leaders Group, but there was a three year term and then she left and there haven't been any women since. And it's difficult, you know, if you go to mosques, sometimes I'm made a kind of honorary man and sit with the men and the women are all behind the screen and that feels all wrong as well. So it's very difficult in the interface setting, I think, often. Whether that can be an influence, I'd like to think so. I think you, know, you can offer other women in other face the possibility that women can be leaders. So I do hope it does have some sort of influence.
7: So I think it's, it's important to, to, to acknowledge that, um, that our movement, first of all, was founded by Lily Montague, that Lily Montague was a woman, a Victorian woman, it's true, um, who, it is said, had deep spiritual aspirations, was an excellent organiser, but was committed to founding a Judaism, which I think its values are as relevant today as they were then, namely, that um, people will be treated equally.
0: podcast series of oral histories is part of the exhibition lily's legacy voices and visions of liberal judaism a project supported by the national lottery heritage fund it was produced by mary lawrence and lucia Scazzaccio, sound editing and design by lucia Scazzaccio, and special thanks to all the contributors who agreed to share their stories for more information about what you've just heard, do visit the exhibition website www.lilyslegacyproject.com.